Sam. Adam. Circling approaches. Yeah. When was the last time you did a circling approach? A traditional circling approach. Yeah. Because they might have evolved very recently. A yeah. long, no, I don't know, a few years. Yeah, I'd say the same. Quite memorable, I suppose. So yeah, a couple of yeah. years ago, I think Pisa. Yeah, okay. Possibly. Yeah, I've definitely done one or two in Pisa. Done one in Dubrovnik as well. That yeah. sticks out. The most memorable approach of my career is technically a circling approach into Arasifi, Lanzarote, 2-1. Okay. Is that one of those that's well, it's not, not a traditional <laughs> circling as such, but because it's so offset, it classes as a circling approach. Correct. That essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what is a circling approach? Well, I went straight for the manual. Uh, I came up with a visual manoeuvre following an instrument approach to land on a runway that is not suitable for a straight-in approach. Normally, what do we do to make an approach to an airfield as, a, as an airline? So, yeah, so normally we would follow an instrument approach procedure yeah. to the runway, essentially as a straight-in. It would be lined up with the inbound QDM of the yeah. runway. But at some airfields, that's just not possible, whether it's due to terrain, yeah. uh, facilities, <clears throat> wind direction on the day, obviously, can force you into a circling approach. So normally we're basically flying down a beam inbound to something, which for an ILS is the threshold, the touchdown zone. Yeah, It's like a perfect piece of technology. You just fly straight down there. It'll take you straight down at the perfect angle to touch down on the runway. Yeah, A non-precision approach would be flying inbound to a VOR or an NDB, yep. which would be pretty close to the uh, runway if you're lucky. Yep. So you're saying that where you can't fly inbound to, to some kind of radio aid because there's terrain in the way, there just isn't a radio aid there. They just haven't got that facility, yeah, cost-wise, you know, there's no... Then you fly inbound to the airfield using some kind of instrument procedure. Yep. But then you've got to do a visual maneuver to align yourself with the piece of tarmac that you want to land on. Exactly. It's almost like a visual circuit in a way. You, Ooh, the, because is it a visual circuit? Well, no, it's not a visual circuit, but the pattern would look similar. You're essentially using the instrument approach to get you to almost overhead the airport and then visually manoeuvring yeah. to land in the direction you want to land in. And there's like a traditional pattern that you see, yeah. but they might it might not look like that. No, exactly. The classic idea of a circling approach is that you make an ILS to a runway, but the tailwind's too strong for that runway. So you break off, fly downwind, and you land in completely the opposite direction yep. using a visual maneuver. Yep. And the majority of airports have instrument approaches to every runway. Every runway, yeah, yeah. But if someone's built an airport in the some stupid place, that's yeah. the way the pilot sees yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like yeah. In, nestled around some terrain, yep. you can't have a straight-in approach because you'd be flying through the hills if you're on... Because um, what angle do we normally fly and approach at in vertically? So typically a th sort of three degree. But three the, degree there's slope. an upper limit. Um, oh, so 400 feet per nautical mile, I think, okay. is the design limit. And I've always wanted to know more about how and who designs approaches to airfields and mm -hmm. how they do it. But, yeah. but there is no typical circling pattern. No. Um, well, there is one, but the, in reality, yeah, it's not a visual circuit because we would... I think everybody basically air transport aircraft flies visual circuits at 1500 feet. Correct. And this can be a lot lower. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you could be 
500 feet or less by the time you roll out on the centre line of your intended landing runway. So yeah, so maybe let's talk about that traditional pattern just so listeners can visualise it. So typically, fly down the instrument approach, the ILS, to let's call it a thousand feet. That's probably an average circling approach. So you go down to a thousand feet. At a thousand feet, you would hope to be visual with the runway because you're going to conduct the rest of the manoeuvre visually. So visual with the airport, the airfield, a thousand feet. Let's be clear about that. So if you're not visual, what are your options? Well, you'd have to go around because yeah. you can't carry out the circling so manoeuvre. It's a visual manoeuvre. So to commence the circling procedure, yep. to break off your instrument procedure, you have to be visual. Yep. And there's obviously a couple of ways of defining what that means. Yeah. Um, but- so you break cloud, you're visual. You would then turn to offset by 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. So thinking about which way you're circling, it might be prescribed on the chart as to circling to the south or to the west. So you turn 45 degrees, either left or right, off the instrument approach track, and then you generally time that for 30 seconds typically, which would then put you out a sort of mile, mile and a half maybe away from the runway. And then you turn downwind to parallel the runway, so like like you were in the visual circuit almost, but a bit lower, a thousand feet. And then when you, you get a beam, the threshold that you're going to land on, i.e. the opposite end to the instrument approach, you'd start a sequence of timing and descent and configuration, which would bring you out in almost like a continuous base and final turn onto the runway. That's essentially what I'm trying to allow the listener to visualise. What a, yeah. If you, if you it, looked at it from above the track, it would look like the le- like a letter D, I suppose, roughly yeah. speaking. Or it of. could be a P. Or a P, yeah, I suppose, yeah. As a or, or a P. B, or a B if you're circling left hand. But yeah, um, yeah, but it would look not far off a general aviation circuit diagram. Yeah, yeah, I.e. Yeah, downwind, yeah, yeah. and you have yeah, the yeah. like a, a. But due to your altitude, you're likely to fly a continuous turn from downwind during the base. During onto the final. base, onto final, it's yeah. not going to be like a long base leg because no. you're just not that wide. No. So it is probably as complicated as as it sounds. Um, there's yeah. a lot going on. What's the workload like? Workload's high, and as we'll talk about later, one of the reasons quite often that the workload is high is because people aren't expecting it. It's maybe been thrown at them last minute, and they potentially weren't planning to do a circling. They thought it was going to be the instrument approach to land on that runway. All of a sudden, the wind has shifted, and it's now a tailwind on that runway, so out of limits, so you have to land from a cir- off a circling approach, and usually you're quite close to the airport at this stage, so limited time to brief it which means the workload gets high even if you have briefed it the workload is still high Mm. it's tracks it's timings it's distances it's configuration you're close to the ground it's not something we do very often 12 years of flying i reckon i've probably done five or six really one every couple of years maybe if that and i've gone around from one out of my five where was that that was in dubrovnik that's why i remember it so well so i remember you telling me so purely our own fault as to why we went around but i remember distinctly you saying you went around you hadn't had your command that long i don't think no and so okay executed your missed approach fine nothing wrong with what you did really good decision but now it's like well what did go wrong yeah yeah. and if i repeat what i just did am i not just going to end up yeah executing another missed approach yeah because we went around because we were high we turned on to final and we had four whites on the that's on the pappy. definitely one of the fears when I think about a circling approach is like I can execute the manoeuvre as per the manual, I can brief it, I can overcome loads of the threats, but there's just this element of, 
when I roll wings level on final or I get that first look at the threshold on the base turn, what if too low, too high, you know? Yeah. Why has that happened? This There's an element of um, approximation. You haven't got many chances to get it right. No, no you're moving through the air at, you know, but just, 150 mile an hour. Just rewinding a bit then. So precision approach has got a vertical element to it. Yep. A non-precision approach doesn't have vertical guidance. Yep. It's nice and fluffy to fly in ILS. It's what, firstly, it's what we do all the time. Yeah, I'd say 95 out of 100 approaches are probably an ILS. But that it's, be a fair? it's inherently like easy to fly. Yeah. It yep. sort of almost just says fly left, fly right, fly up, yeah. fly down. The autopilot loves it. So did you know that on a circling approach, you're 25 times more likely to have an accident on a circling approach than a non-precision approach. And you're another eight times more likely than a precision approach. So 32 times more. Does that make sense? Yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. So when you look at the safety margins, in terms of the statistics of accidents, controlled flight into terrain being probably the main one, the ILS is the safest. Yep. Non-precision approach is you're more likely to have a, an accident. But yep. on a circling approach, you're highly more likely to have an accident. Yeah. Something that we're not used to, high workload, a lot yeah, of... A few variables. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say there's a nuance, yeah. there's like ambiguity to yeah. like yeah, certain things. Yeah. That contributes to the, this fact that you're more likely to, to have an accident on one of them. Why would you ever do one then? Well... Why bother? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it might be the only way to get into an airport. So the, say, the tailwind on the instrument approach might be out, outside of the aircraft's limits. You can't land on that runway because the tailwind yeah. or, or subsequently your landing distance is not sufficient to land. So the only way to land at that airport is on the reciprocal runway, which maybe doesn't have an RNAV approach, doesn't have an ILS, doesn't have a VOR approach. It's literally, it's got nothing. So the only option you've got is to circle to land from the other end. Yeah, I guess the guys who, guys, you know, and girls who design procedures they're going to give you every option to get into the airfield yeah, that they can. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's worth us discussing just because it's technically within limits and it's technically doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Do you have to execute one? But like you're saying, the option is there for you. You yeah. might need to get on the ground Yeah. and it might be the only option. Yeah. And you're not doing anything outside of the SOPs. Although I do think some airlines have basically told the crews they're not to do circling approaches. Basically saying you can only do a circling approach if it's the only option uh, available. available to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any element of like instrument procedure guidance makes the approach safer, it, seem, yeah, it yeah, would yeah, seem. Yeah, and that makes sense. And circling is is where you sort of left up to your own... No, you don't You don't have any beam to fly down, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, It's a bit of guesswork, yeah. a bit of kind of tracks and distances, timings... So tell me what's the difference, and I really want to bring this up as a point, what's the difference between a circling approach and a visual approach? A visual approach is essentially, there are no minima. You are flying visually with reference, sole reference to the ground. There's no sort of prescription as to where you'll be at a certain point. Whereas a circling approach, you actually are flying an instrument approach to get there. You have a minimum, there's a minima associated with it. Yeah. And then you are following a prescribed, sort of prescribed procedure from that minima point. Because I think to to mitigate the threats associated with a circling approach, 
unlike other approaches we fly, you need a higher level of knowledge and procedures or your knowledge and procedures about what you're doing, about the design of it is more important than other approaches. People know that if you go out, whatever the limits are on your ILS or if you, you know, or your VOR, then you, then you call a go around, but you don't necessarily understand the design of the procedure. With circling approach, I think you need that increased knowledge of of exactly yeah. what you're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of the nuances or, or it, I think it's a trap is the association it has with a visual approach and the, the flight safety foundation did identify when they were looking into circling approaches and they've got a whole paper on issues identified which you can find online one of their risks is the the ambiguity between the two I think if you understand the difference between the two then you're going a long way to understand what a circling approach really is. Yeah, yeah. So just extremely back to basics. When we fly airline aircraft, we're basically flying under instrument flight rules the whole time. Yeah. Regardless of what the weather's like. Yeah. And so we need instrument approaches to make approaches and even low visibility approaches mean that we can basically take off and land in pretty much any weather. And the design of the airspace, the instrument approaches, the departures, they're all designed to keep us clear of terrain yep. and traffic. Yep. And that's like a statement of the obvious, but basically it's like we could fly with no windows in the flight deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we do a circling approach, it's a visual flight maneuver. Yeah. So we have to balance uh, the use of the instruments and the radio beacons that we might be using to get where we're going with also just looking out the window when we're doing a visual approach although we might choose to draw on some of the technology in the flight deck the only thing stopping us from hitting the terrain is our decisions with regard to our flight path based on us looking out the window yeah okay does that make sense yeah it makes sense so the reason you don't hit the hill on a visual approach is because you don't fly into the hill it's the same as a ppl flying vmc how does he not hit the terrain? Well, he just can Looks see the terrain. The he doesn't yeah. hit the terrain, doesn't yeah. hit the other aircraft. On a circling approach, you're using visual information. You're yeah. taking that into your brain through your eyeball. Do you ever have trainers always say to you the, the Mark One eyeball? And I never, <laughs> yeah, I was always like, I hate that phrase. They mean like it's the first it's design the, of the, the best, yeah, yeah. Or the, the first and best design of the instrument that you're using the yeah, eyeball. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Use your Mark One eyeball, right? So yeah. you're using your eyeball and that together with other information, navigation information that you're taking in, combined to make the circling approach. But there's a design criteria to the approach which yes. keeps you safe. Yes. If you exceed the rules of the circling approach, then you could have controlled flight into terrain. So what sort of rules are you talking about there then? What, what, what are okay, yeah. so circling approach has an area, like someone's got a protractor from school. Yeah. They've stuck the needle part of the protractor into the threshold of the runway. Yeah. And they've drawn a circle, a circle a little, around two ends of the runway. A little safe area. Yeah, safe area. Yeah. And a lot of airports, it'll say, don't circle to the northwest or something. So it's yeah. not always safe all the way around the runway. But depending on the speed that you fly at, so a Cat C aircraft is up to 180 knots, Cat D slightly higher, then they've said this area is safe. So was it 4.2 nautical miles for a Cat D aircraft yeah. around the threshold? Yeah. And then there's different, like US is different. It's well, so, let's yeah. come on to Terps in a second, yeah, which yeah, is ridiculous, yeah. right? Yeah. 
But basically, uh, you have this kind of safe area. And that in itself is a trap because I think a lot of pilots understand, okay, so there's a couple of miles which I'm safe. If I go outside of that, I'm not in the protected area. But it's not just that, right? So there's a circling minima and they're yeah. different, right? Yeah. What they guarantee on all instrument approaches, including a circling approach, okay, which is totally different from a visual approach, is the obstacle clearance height. Yeah. And it's only 394 feet when you're circling in ICAO PANS ops. Yeah. You might be downwind and you might be at 1,000 feet above the aerodrome level, but 394 feet below you, there could be a hill. Now, that's like really important to understand if you ask me because you've got to depart from your circling minima at some point and start to make your approach from the circling minima down towards the runway. Yeah. Now, all of this is in about 2.4 kilometers visibility. Yeah, so even though you're visual, it doesn't have to be that good uh, visibility. So how many miles is that? 2.4 kilometers is like... About a mile and a half. And so what, your average decent sized airport might have a two mile runway. Yeah, so you you might not even be able to see the whole runway. Yeah, so you need to understand the visual requirements explicitly, right? And then you need to understand that this could be really, really challenging visual task for you to carry out to fly the aircraft and maintain this visual part of the maneuver yep so you could be just 394 feet above a hill you could barely make out the airfield environment so that's that's really tough now you have to stick to the design criteria and the rules and the sops associated with the circling approach it's totally different to a visual approach Yeah, yeah the reason that i'm trying to like have a bit of a ago about the two differences is that if you've got the two concepts mixed up in your head at any point you could find yourself kind of doing half of one and half yeah, of the other yeah, yeah 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 and then you could have some controlled flight into terrain yeah because your visual requirements depending on the speed of the aircraft should be more akin to what you're used to as a vfr pilot which is yep that you have a vertical separation from cloud above you of like 15 or a thousand feet, sorry. And that you have some kind of horizontal distance between you and cloud because you're traveling at speed and you don't know when cloud bases are going to creep down towards you. And you don't know, you know, if you might turn left in a minute and you might fly over there or you fly over there. So you need a big bubble of VFR space around you, right? So a a visual approach, you should have VMC criteria, Right, so you can make those judgments about sure. not hitting terrain, okay? On a circling approach, if you just break cloud at the minima, the tail of your aircraft might be in cloud. Still, yeah, yeah. And that's perfectly acceptable. That's, that's allowable, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a difference between visual approach and a circling approach. And yeah. to me, they're massive and they should not be mixed up yeah, yeah. whatsoever. And I think some of these accidents that we might talk about I just think in the back of their minds, they kind of remember that airfield from a a, a visual day and what they got away with on that day. Yeah, 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 sure. It's yeah, totally yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've described some of the sequence of events that you would, mm-hmm. how you would position yourself. And that's where I want to talk about the workload, which may even be kind of unique to the phase of flight, which is where you're using visual elements but you're also quite inside the flight yeah, deck yeah, as well yeah. and between the two of you. So you've got a lot of task sharing to manage. Yep. So why don't you like pick up on some of that? Okay, yeah. So you're going to have somebody flying the aircraft, somebody pilot flying, pilot not flying. And 
the decision as to who's going to land or who's going to be the pilot flying for the landing could depend on which way you're circling. So the pilot on the inside is going to have a much better view potentially of, of the runway and certainly around like a base turn. And my, my experience is that if you're not on the inside, you don't yeah. see anything. You wouldn't see anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're on the outside of the approach, you, you'd really struggle. So that that has to come into it. There's obviously monitoring of tracks, distances, timings, configuration. There's a lot going on. It's really, really busy. It is quite a busy and it's happening fast. You're, you know, 180 knots, you could, I, I know we probably, that's the limit, but you, you're potentially doing this manoeuvre 394 feet above obstacles you, at, at 200 mile an hour. You, you can know, have a tailwind. Yeah, you can have a tailwind. Probably. On the, certainly on the um Yeah, so if you're, if, yeah. It's, if it's 3 point whatever miles for a Cat C protected area, I mean, you're yeah. going to go from one side to the other. Yeah, very, very quickly. In uh, not a lot of time. Yeah, you could have ground speeds of 220, 230 knots, which is 250 mile an hour. Yeah. Pretty, pretty fast to be going above, you know, 390 feet above obstacles. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it's... It's a visual flight manoeuvre, possibly in the worst weather you can think yeah, of. Yeah. So they, these are a few of the problems. Other ones that potentially catch people out is missed approach. So let's say you do lose visual contact with the runway at some point, you're scudding along just beneath the cloud, as you mentioned. And for whatever reason, you do lose visual contact with the runway. You therefore have to, or should execute a missed approach. Well, what, what sort of missed approach do you do? You know... You flew down the instrument approach. Now maybe you're in a base turn, turning back towards the runway and you've lost visual. You don't really want to fly back up the instrument approach because there might be other aircraft coming down it. So we are supposed to fly the missed approach from the instrument approach, i.e. The, the ILS. So that might be a 180 degree turn. When you say supposed to, you wouldn't potentially do that? or you, you might Well, no, do- no, you know, that's, that's, but, but yeah. people may negotiate, it's possible to negotiate with air traffic right. uh, to do something different because it might be counterintuitive to make a complete 180 degree turn. But what I'm saying is, is it's just another layer of well, going, things to think about, another element. Going to, back to what you said though, I mean, the time to be working that out exactly. is not when you've just when lost you visual just, contact yeah, yeah, exactly. and you should have turned base. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because by the time you've got the chart out and got a word in on the radio, you could have hit the hills. Yeah. yeah. And let's pick up on something that I was saying again. Because I don't want, I think this is a chance to remove ambiguity. I mean, back in the days when um, JAR ops came in to the UK, so they started to harmonise the procedures across Europe before EASA, the manuals were full of should and could words, Mm -hmm. and they went through them and just any sentence that said that removed it. So you said, if the cloud base is coming down a bit, you should go around. No, you yeah. must go you around. You must go around, yeah. Because yeah. 390 feet below you could be a hill. Yeah, but you're yeah. going to be extremely tempted to just, okay, just just lower the just, nose. Yeah, well, you should have the automatics in, but you just, you know, or, or hold on is, a few more seconds. This is just a, yeah. a puff of cloud that yeah, we're going yeah, yeah. to go yeah, through. Yeah. I don't want to throw away the whole approach just for that. Yeah. So there's a massive trap there and the psychological effects there on you are really powerful. You can visually see the runway yeah. Right? I can see the runway and I can see the terrain below me. So why should I care about going through this little wisp of cloud? Yeah. Okay. It's going to, the brain is going to be screaming at you like, don't do a go around. Yeah. yeah. You're going to creep lower and lower and lower. So that's yeah. a real danger. Yeah. The other thing there is about the missed approach. So if there is any ambiguity in the flight deck, we always want to like take that out. Yeah. So hopefully back in the cruise yeah. while you were briefing all this, 
you could have discussed it with the FO. What would we do for a missed approach? Yep. And if there's something you're not sure about, tell ATC beforehand. Yes. If we do a missed approach, our plan is this, X, this, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the guy on the inside yep. is keeping his eye on the runway. Now yep. that's interesting because where do we normally look? We do normally look, there's the threshold, there's the yep. runway, when am I going to start my timer? Mm-hmm. But you need to also be projecting the flight path in front of in you. In front of you, yeah, yeah, of Am course. I going to fly through cloud? Yeah. Yeah. Can I make a safe descent towards the runway clear of cloud yeah, yeah, and yeah. terrain? Yeah, definitely. And I don't think that's a motor skill that I have. Like I'm always looking, right, I'm gonna, that's the threshold. That's what I'm going to yeah, yeah. You need to look ahead. I'm going to fly over there and there's a bit of a hill there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, sure. That's one thing. That's another thing to consider. So somebody's busy doing that and the coordination between the two of you has to work kind of like mm-hmm. clockwork. Yeah. And, you know, I was wondering about training because it doesn't, work very well in the sim in my opinion no no uh, but what do trainers think about a circling approach in the sim yeah it, it's not ideal because generally because the visual graphics in the sim don't allow you that sort of range of view that you would normally get in the aircraft you normally get a better yeah view. likewise depending on the quality of the um graphics in the yeah. in the sim you know it might not be quite as realistic visuals. the visuals yeah might not be quite as realistic as in the aircraft so what about night in in real life more about night circling what do you think of that yeah I mean we're allowed to do that in fact that works better in the sim because you can pick out the lights of the runway easier some airlines Um, I know totally say there's no night circling no night circling yeah so the ICAO PANS OPS design criteria for circling 2.4 kilometres is the minimum visibility to commence a circling approach but any airline I've seen has 5 kilometres as a minimum yeah yeah but can I just say Honestly, as a as a as a captain right now, if I was looking at an airfield with a circling in five k, I might rather be in the bar at the diversion airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. this is what I was getting to earlier. It's like you don't have to necessarily do the approach. No, and I think circling even in don't forget two and a half k. Yeah. I, I think that's it's five k. Five k is. Did you say goldfish bowl earlier? That's a trainer's like phrase. I didn't know. But I, I thought you said that, but I mean, 5K is, uh, well, when did you last make an approach in 5K? Like yeah, in yeah, no, no, you don't, don't do it very often. And so, so adding to all of these layers of workload and stuff, you know, we're not doing circling approaches at Heathrow or Gatwick or Manchester, you know, where it's flat. Right. You're doing a circling approach at places like Pisa, Dubrovnik, Genoa, where there's terrain all around you, so many different hazards, the last thing you want to be doing is upping your workload by doing it in poor weather. So, you know, you could be in the bar and that's a bit of a, that might not be everyone's ideal, but I'm just saying, you, let's paint a picture. You could be in the bar at the destination. Yeah. Right? Okay. It's, um, or you could be circling in 5k. It's, uh, it's uh, it, uh, not destination. Yeah. You're a diversion. Yeah. It's one of those things that you can never say what's the right answer until you're actually there on the day. And it's that balance between the safety and the commercial uh, your, your passenger down the back is going to be pretty annoyed seeing you in the bar at the <laughs> diversion when they want to be on their holiday. Do you know what I mean? And they won't understand. Is that something that weighs on you in your decision making? No, then? but they wouldn't understand, like, why couldn't we do the circling approach? You, you know, you're a professional. I am. Um, you you're know a professional what? pilot. I, you're paid a lot of money, like, and you're allowed to do it. Why? You some, know? Something that's common to some of these accidents we'll look at is that, in my opinion, although we've lectured, you and I have both lectured meteorology, I still. Yeah. don't have like the best grasp you know, of the my the micro meteorological phenomena everywhere but it does seem to me that around terrain yeah 
the cloud like clings to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know that yeah, like, yeah, sounds yeah. like a five-year-old explaining it. But so often you're circling around the edge of this terrain yeah. and that's right where these that's clouds the are yeah, And yeah, I think yeah, some yeah. of these accidents that we look at have that feature. Yeah, yeah. Now, Arasifi, I go on and I've had so many different stories and personal experiences about Arasifi. But once upon a time, I did a uh, diversion due to lack of visual reference during the circling approach there. So I went to Fuerteventura, Cav OK, it's the Canaries, and it? it's beautiful, yeah. right? And I get the cabin crew walked in the flight deck, looked left, looked right out the windows and went, oh, we've diverted, have we? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's it not good. And I didn't pick up on it, but she was being sarcastic. She went, yeah, weather's bad, is it? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. She went, oh. She looked out the window as if we'd just done it because, yeah, 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 I don't yeah. know, we get paid more if we divert or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, people don't understand. No. Nope. And also, I don't know, if you look out the window of the fuselage, you might think, oh, I can see really far, but yeah, you know, you yeah, might yeah. not be able to see the air. It's just it's a totally different picture. Yeah. But my point is that there's no shame. No, no, of course not. In saying, I don't know, that basically, you know, it was taught to me, these sort of what is a red flag you know it could, could be all sorts of things you know the hairs on the back of your neck literally you know yeah. just when these things start adding up yeah i remember my last diversion was um trying to get into naples and it was just covered in thunderstorms we couldn't even find a place to hold that wasn't like in a cb yeah, yeah, yeah. so we were like waiting for a bit before we maybe made an approach okay was and we started to take some vectors i was thinking okay um, we're not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell the FO, like, what is he, you know, I'm going to start questioning the FO, maybe, maybe start a diversion. But then the best red flag was the HC came on and went, hey, uh, such and such. And it was an airline that I don't respect very much. <laughs> they just got in. And I was like, okay, we're diverting. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was the red flag for me. That's it was like, because yeah. often on these approaches, somebody gets in just before the crash. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the weather can't be that bad. But yeah. when I heard, oh, it's such and such an airline, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's... That, if yeah. it would have been, you know, like Qantas just got in, I'd be like, oh. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe it is doable. <laughs> but the pressure to like, to accept these approaches and to, yeah, to yeah, do them yeah, is one thing. Yeah. When like you find yourself... Pressure. Yeah, when you find yourself down there, though, in the basin that we're mm -hmm. imagining in this terrain, in this soup of like, of, of low visibility... I mean, don't get me wrong, you can do circling approaches on cavokay days as well, but yep. there are situations where the visibility is like not very good. You've got all the visual illusions, this somato gravic illusion, the, yeah. you know, the how close does terrain look in low vis, all, all, all sorts of things happening to you. You should always have a plan B, right, as, yeah, a, yeah. as an aviator, yeah. which normally is a go around, basically. Yeah. And you need to think it through, maybe brief it, but that's the point, isn't it? You find yourself in one of these circling approaches and you might not have a plan B if you've really yeah. screwed up because you're like, how do I even get out of here? Yeah, Which yeah. way do I fly? Which how do I, get, yeah, the yeah. disorientation, you know, like the air traffic control, everything. So what you're picking up on there, yeah, the missed approach hopefully would have been briefed back in the cruise and maybe coordinating that with ATC, but the temptation not to go around because a go around should be really easy and straightforward. But yeah. if any go around is going to be hard, it's going to be during a circling approach. It's going to make you think, I don't want to do this. So when you said that circling approaches, you're 25, 25 times more likely to have- Than a non-precision approach. Than a non-precision approach. approach. I kind of thought, wow, that's because I didn't know that figure. 
But now that we've just spent 40 minutes talking about all the reasons why they're not dangerous, but why they... We've not really even gone to... Difficult. If anybody's listening who perhaps doesn't fly an airline aircraft, like, we've not even really talked about the nuances of, like, uh, you know, the timings. You set, yeah. you set in an old-fashioned stopwatch to determine when to turn, when how to turn, much bank do you do. Based on wind and tailwind. What's and, your rate of descent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, remember, how do you judge that you've got any of this right? Yeah. The eyeball. Yeah, yeah. You line up on the runway. Does it look right? Am I at the right yeah, altitude? Yeah. And then you fly through a wisp of cloud and you're like, oh, come on. Like, you yeah, know, I can yeah. carry on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So circling approaches are the least favorable for flight safety, for pilots, for air traffic control, I imagine. I'm probably yeah, yeah. not that fond of them. Yeah. Because they want departures straight up the lane up that you've probably that just flying flown down, the down from. Approach, yeah. So not ideal at a busy airport. But they're designed so that there's an option to get you in. TERPS, which I don't think is a direct initialism, like T-E-R-P-S is American for Terminal Approach. Yes. But their, yeah. their design criteria is even more insane. So the, the protected area... TERPS is like an old-fashioned name for uh, white spirit. That's what like, yeah. that's what like old men, old men call like white spirit. TERPS, you've got a bit of TERPS in yeah. the garage. But yeah. I, but sorry. I think Americans... <laughs> Think of it as a circling approach, uh, yeah, yeah. The, how they design their circling approach. They're even more restrictive there. So if you don't have an understanding of the the diameter of the protected area and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the rules. So just to reiterate, it's not like a big safe play area. No, either. no, no. no so there, there are, yeah, you've you, got to you, get it right within yeah. there. So you, when you leave yeah, your yeah. minima to head towards the threshold, to descend towards the threshold, that's got to be done at the right point. So And with all these things that we've highlighted as to where you can go wrong unfortunately there are quite a few sort of accidents incidents that have come off circling approaches yeah well i know you and i looked at the same one there's plenty yeah. to look at out there they do all seem to have the same sort of theme though in that generally workload weather miscommunication mm -hmm. they, they all have a sort of similar so similar theme like a mismanaged them, workload yeah over, overload the crash happens in bad weather bad weather okay unfamiliarity poor communication yeah so um well, and which one should we, looking well, at? Should we talk about the air china okay uh, air china 129 so as always the sort of caveat we talk about accidents is not nice to talk about but it's always about improving flight safety and learning from them and as with all accidents there's never just one cause there's always the swiss cheese there's always numerous contributors so Air China 129 was 2002. It was a Boeing 767 attempting to land in Busan, South Korea. And I've literally written in my notes here, Swiss cheese, because there was a lot of, there was a lot of holes throughout. So it was poor weather. It was right on, in fact, it was below the circling minima that they should have been flying to. Um, this is the one where they went, even sure what their own category of so, yeah, well, so, yeah. work at sea. So this is the Swiss cheese. This okay. is the first bit of Swiss cheese. So 767, the 767 manual, apparently, and you know better than me, you've flown 76. I have. You can be cat C or cat D, depending on your landing weight. It'd be the same as the 321. Yeah. On this day with their landing weight, they were cat C. However, the 767 manual on the next line says for circling approaches, yeah. It is to be considered as a cat D. Because unfortunately, perhaps here something shouldn't be mixed up, but it is. Uh, your landing fees are usually based on your category of aircraft. Yeah. So yeah, the, the uh, airline wants you to be 
a lesser, lesser category, category, usually between C and D, obviously. So some of these aircraft are between the two. But obviously the manufacturers like, for safety, yep. you, you're a Cat D. Yeah. So they were asked a couple of times by the controller as to what category they were. They thought they were a Cat C aircraft. And so they were flying to the Cat C minima, which was just below the cloud base. But actually, if they'd been flying to the correct minima, which was the Cat D minima, they would never have got visual at minimums. It was right. the, the minimum, was at, the cloud base was actually below the Cat D uh, minimum. So there, there's the first, you know, very, a confusing manual is the first mm-hmm. hole in the Swiss cheese. And protected area is less as but well. this was a Terps. This was Terps. Something to do with the US military in South Korea, probably. Yeah, I guess so. So that was one factor. So weather, not sure what minima they were flying to. But the classic, the absolute classic that we've talked about, the late change of runway. So they were expecting runway 36, which was an instrument approach. They were expecting that all the way in. And it was a last minute change to runway 18 circling approach. It said in the report they had very little time to prepare. And that that's classic. If you haven't briefed ahead, rushing and so what, approach briefing that requires quite a bit of thought. Genuine question then. Are, are, are there any options they could have had like having that high workload sprung on them apart from in hindsight they could have briefed so yeah. definitely they could have briefed a circling approach could have briefed um, I don't know what their fuel state was but they could have taken up a holding pattern perhaps right. doing a couple of laps of the hold just to just to do the brief complete the briefing because they were all unfamiliar I think I don't think any of them had ever circled at this airport before right but in my mind if you're going to an airport and you're like well there's an ILS on that end what's on the other end and it's circling, surely that's an alarm bell of like, ooh, yeah, what yeah, if well, yeah, yeah, what if? Yeah, possibly, yeah, definitely. It certainly would be something I would consider, or I'd like to think I would consider. But, you know, I I have had times where it might not have been a circling, it might have been something else that was slightly yeah. more tricky, but I haven't briefed it because I thought there's no chance. And then all of a sudden it does get sprung. sprung that definitely it happens it, all the time. It yeah. does happen. So workload was high and the classic sign that workload was high was in some of the radio calls I found they were, the approach controller was handing them over to the tower frequency, but they didn't have the capacity to check in with the tower and then they missed a couple of calls. And that's a classic sign of overload. Their hearing had gone, they're kind of, kind of tunneled into- Like their brain's prioritising prioritizing what it wants to prioritise. Yeah, exactly. Rather exactly. than themselves prioritising. So, so a kind of classic sign that they were- they were overloaded. Um, what else did you find interesting about it? That regardless of whether they're Cat D or Cat C, they flew quite fast. Yes, they were. So so in Terps, they were supposed to be 140 knots for Cat C. And they the flight data recorder had them at between 150 and 160 knots. So kind of 20 knots fast going downwind. And then as we said you're highly likely to have a tailwind, which they really yeah. did have quite a tailwind. So yeah. their ground speed was really high. Yeah. They ended up downwind. They didn't turn, We you would turn 45 degrees onto mm-hmm. downwind, mm-hmm. but for some reason they didn't quite turn that much. So by the time they were established on the downwind leg, they were already basically at the end of, yeah. of the runway. Yeah. Which yeah. adds to the workload yeah. greatly. And then one of the big contributors I read was that when the captain took control to commence the base turn and landing, and he was on the outside as well, so nowhere near in the best. I'm not even sure that any of them really had the runway in sight. Right. Uh, you know, 
for the whole approach. I think there was times where they lost it and they gained it again. But when the captain took control to t- make the base turn, apparently it took him 40 seconds, uh, approximately 40 seconds to initiate that turn meaningfully through about 10, they were pointing 350 degrees and uh, they didn't go through north 360 degrees until 40 seconds after. So you imagine at, you know, 200 and 200 knots ground speed, that's a lot of distance. Yeah. That they've covered. That so if you look at the diagram, have. they just fly straight outside of the protected area in no yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, I think from the Korean accident report, they've overlaid the comms onto it and you can see that they're not starting the turn. Um, anywhere near inside the protected area. So then as they're coming around the base turn, the first officer definitely lost sight of the runway. They, they all lost sight of the runway. And the first officer called for a missed approach, but the captain didn't initiate it. And about five seconds after that, they, they hit, the, hit the mountain. So my question to you would be, if you've if you read this, why why didn't the EPWS um, go, go off and tell them that they were about to hit a mountain? That's all I kept thinking as well. Yeah, I had to look it up. So yeah. mode 2B yeah. did not activate because unfortunately the altitude that they're already at, 700 yeah. feet, with the speed that they were doing yeah. meant that they didn't enter the the envelope of the, the warning of the GPWS yeah. or the caution. Because they were fully configured for landing. They had yeah. flaps out, gear down, their rate of descent was sensible and their speed was sensible. Right until the last minute where they yeah. had, I think, 1,800 feet per minute, but it still yeah. didn't have enough time to trigger it's a trigger yeah so just to state the obvious then obviously the gpws stops from crashing into the ground mm-hmm. but at some point we have to land on the ground yeah and we don't want it going off yeah so the designers have cleverly made these envelopes where if you slow down and you've got the gear down and in the enhanced gpws they also build a basin around the runway yeah that you can descend into yeah. But the basic modes are always there anyway. And if you're slow enough and you creep down enough, then you can stop. You then can the, the, EP, the, G, pre- so the yeah. GPWS might not go off, yeah. which is really unfortunate because you would think it would go off. Yeah. So it's another trap of the circling approach, which is yeah, you've yeah. fooled the aircraft into thinking, into thinking that you're landing. Land. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Other little bits that I read about, there was this system that the controllers had because it was a difficult airport with a lot of terrain around the MSAW system, which I can't remember what that stands for. Some sort of warning system where basically on the control, on the air traffic controller screens, it would flash if an aircraft was outside of the protected area and close to terrain. But is this why the controller kept asking them what their category was so they could set it? Uh, Possibly. I don't know. Because I I think that Terps is designed in such a way that the controller needs to know Possibly. what their category is, which is why they kept asking. Whereas when we circle, okay. they never ask. They never us. ask. Yeah, yeah, it could well be. But one of the kind of post-accident sort of review points was that there should be some sort of oral warning rather than just a visual flashing light on their screen because that would require 100% monitoring of an aircraft to see the visual right. flashing that it was, you know, exceeding one of the parameters. Whereas if you had an oral sort of attention getter, that might have been something that could have saved them potentially if the controllers had, had picked up on it sooner, but you know, they weren't really to blame. They, they couldn't monitor the whole flight path. Interestingly, there were some survivors. So yeah, who, I know. I can't in, believe it. Including the, the, including the captain. I didn't uh, know that. The captain survived. Uh, yeah. And it, there was about 40 survivors. So I think only about a quarter of the people on board survived. One of which was, was the captain. Um, I think they all had serious injuries. So. Yeah. 
and the captain was able to relay some of what happened to sort of layer on top of the flight data recorders and cockpit voice recorder. Um, so it's all, so there's nothing wrong with the aircraft. The weather no. was within limits. So mm-hmm. it's a non-technical, it's a CRM yeah. issue yeah. that caused a crash. Yeah. In terms of red flags, again, that they did say, the, I think the first officer suggested going around at some point. Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. I mean, on any approach or any flight where you're close to the ground, but especially a second approach, if somebody starts talking like that, that should be a signal that, yeah, okay, yeah. we'll go around and we'll clear this up after. Yeah, yeah, we'll, definitely. We'll, you know, you, yeah. The, the, the other pilot might be wrong, but yeah. like, let's go around and That's not waste sa- time. safest course, yeah, yeah. So that could have saved them. Yeah, interesting. And there's a really good picture that shows the crash site with the runway in the background. Yeah. So it shows, because it was on the center line, the yeah. extended center line. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, in two halves there, we've just highlighted, you know, firstly from our own experience and secondly with evidence from that accident of the traps and pitfalls of, of circling approaches. I think you put it well. It's a way to get into an airport, possibly as a kind of last resort, but it is an option. But there are some big inherent risks with doing it. Yeah. Um, so I think now people might never have to fly a circling approach ever again. Yeah. Because these are now visual approaches are cropping up. Yeah. But it seems to be led by the airlines because the airlines, like I was kind of saying earlier, don't really want you to be doing a circling approach. But I mean, the airline I used to fly for, most of our destinations in Greece, yeah, in the Greek islands, they were all some kind of visual yeah, element yeah. to them. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it wasn't an option to not do a circling approach. Anyway, the airlines are putting these visual RNAV approaches into our databases mm-hmm. in the FMS and into the charts. Yep. What's the differences? What's the reality of that? Well, so the reality is that rather than doing it on timings and tracks and distances, it's just a set of waypoints in the FMC that the aircraft will overfly mm-hmm. with a vertical profile built into it as well. Approach. Yeah, it's got vertical and lateral guidance and yeah. it throws you out on the center line of the runway at sort of 500 feet. So that one thing that I said earlier, which is this anxiety that, okay, I'm going to do everything right. We're going to brief it, but still when I turn final, it might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's taken away from you. Yeah. Because as far as the aircraft and the GPS are reliable, it will yeah. put you in the exact piece exact, of airspace. Yeah. So I guess the workload element is much lower yeah. because you, so you can dedicate much more of your attention to outside yep. the flight deck although you almost don't need to as yeah, much you're more, as yeah, you, you're more confident in the system so you could maybe accept but just to be clear this is a visual maneuver still. yes nothing yeah. has changed there you're just using the fms to help you basically yeah so in a circling still, approach you're still responsible for making sure that you stay correct. within the design criteria correct and on a visual approach you're still and on the second approach, making sure that you're clear of weather yep. and terrain the whole time. But yep. the aircraft will fly whatever the airline, it would seem, has programmed in for you, which sure. means that you're, regardless of the wind, you're always going to be on the exact right point. I wonder that 25 times more likely to control flight and terrain than a non-precision approach statistic. I wonder how that varies with RNAV visual approaches. Yeah, I guess time will tell because they're a fairly new yeah. concept. They are relatively new. But um, they're welcome. There is a nod to people, you know, who are like, 
like to fly visual and yeah yeah, 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 and, yeah. And like to do a circling approach there, there is the argument that we're being de-skilled um yeah. in the automation and our nav and gps is just taking over and our actual raw flying skills of being able to do a circling approach are being worn away potentially. yeah and uh, that's, that's one for a whole other podcast yeah that airline <laughs> used to fly for they used to people used to say oh it's great isn't it because you do visual approaches everywhere and it's not great to be honest yeah. it is kind of fun Fun when it's going well. But every flight crew's got a different idea as well about how yeah, to yeah, do it. Yeah, Perhaps yeah. not a circling approach, but a, vis- a visual approach. Yep. Cool. Well, good luck to anybody who finds themselves on a circling approach. Hopefully you won't have to do it at sort of tracks, distances. But if you do, be aware of, of all the little traps that we've talked about and hopefully it'll work out for you. Yeah, good. All right. Bye. Yes, bye.